Hello to all of our listeners, and welcome to our latest installment of Reorg Research Podcasts. I'm Teresa Lee, a Distressed Debt Legal Analyst at Reorg. Today, I'm joined by members of the Hertz team, including Distressed Debt Analyst Yash Chinru and Covenants Analyst Peter Wachkowitz. Not that long ago, during this period between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, most American families went on vacation. Whether they travel to destinations near or far, many of these families would find it necessary to rent cars upon their arrival. With the birth of Uber and the ride-hailing revolution, this need to rent cars has taken a back seat to the ease and convenience of requesting cars only when needed. On today's special Reorg Research podcast, we will be discussing Hertz, one of the big players in the car rental industry. Recently, there's been a lot of volatility in the bond prices of several series of Hertz unsecured notes. Yash and Peter have been following this name and are here to provide some insight. So Yash, can you tell me what exactly Hertz's business model is? How does this company make money? Sure, Teresa. When people first think of Hertz, they normally just distill it down to simply a car rental business. And this is definitely the largest part of what they do, uh, particularly since they spun off the equipment rental business last year. But there are also a lot of other parts of the business model that go under the radar. In addition to the car rental under multiple brands, Hertz also provides vehicle leasing and fleet management services and sells vehicles as well. Another important aspect of Hertz's business model is that it finances the purchase of the cars that it ultimately rents out to customers. And according to Hertz's financials, substantially all of its revenue-earning vehicles are owned by special purpose entities that are essentially bankruptcy remote financing subsidiaries at which Hertz raises debt secured by these vehicles. And these entities then transfer the vehicles up to the Hertz operating subsidiaries that actually rent out the cars to end users. And in return, the operating subsidiaries make lease payments back to the financing entities, as well as occasional true-up payments based on uh, depreciation and the residual value of these revenue-earning vehicles. So why is this particular organizational structure important when looking at Hertz? So this financing aspect in relation to the operating part of Hertz's business model becomes very critical when analyzing this company. Essentially, the profits from the vehicle rental business have to cover the financing costs and the amount that a car depreciates. And how much of this depreciation Hertz is on the hook for depends on whether a car is a program vehicle or a risk vehicle. So when we look at this on a cash flow per vehicle basis, Hertz in the last 12 months ended September 30th did not generate enough cash from its rental business to cover the financing costs and vehicle depreciation and lease payments. We estimate that Hertz was short by about $105 per average vehicle in the LTM period. In fact, in four of the past seven quarters, Hertz has not covered its total financing costs. And two of the three quarters that they did cover were Q3, which is usually their strongest quarter given the summer holiday driving season. So you're telling me that Hertz has not been generating enough cash to cover their costs? Yeah, um, there, there are a lot of factors that can impact the relationship between these two aspects of Hertz's business model. And one of the biggest is the residual value of a car and the broader used car market. The company has estimated that an approximate 1% decrease in residual values translates to about $60 million of additional depreciation that Hertz can be on the hook for. And there's about 
11 billion of this vehicle securitized debt at the special purpose entities that I mentioned. And it's worth noting that all of this is classified as vehicle debt and not corporate debt, of which there's only about 5 billion. And for purposes of covenant calculations, only the corporate debt is taken into account, which I think Peter will touch on a little bit more in depth later. So you mentioned program vehicles and risk vehicles. Can you explain what those are and how they're relevant to the business? Yeah, sure. So this distinction becomes relevant when uh, because it ties back to the financing entities. And as I briefly touched on before, Hertz raises debt at these entities to fund the purchase of vehicles, which act as collateral and are also rented to the end consumer. With that said, Hertz's vehicles can either be program vehicles or non-program vehicles, which are also referred to as risk vehicles. And a program vehicle is one that is purchased from a car manufacturer under a repurchase agreement. That means that the manufacturer agrees to buy back the car at an agreed-upon price based on a certain rate of depreciation that the manufacturer guarantees. And for a risk vehicle, the onus is on Hertz to sell the car and recoup value, which is usually done through auctions. And as a result, it it's exposed to fluctuations in the used car market and more generally anything that can affect the residual value of the company's fleet. And this is particularly relevant today because Hertz's program vehicles as a percent of its total vehicles as of the end of Q3 was 9% in the U.S. compared with 28% two years ago. Uh, internationally, though, the mix is a bit better with program vehicles making up 45% of the total. It's about the same from two years ago. And this has kind of been a double whammy for Hertz because as their mix of risk vehicles has been increasing, the used car market and residual values have also softened, resulting in Hertz essentially selling more cars for cheaper prices than they'd like to. And what about the threat from companies like Uber and Lyft? I mean, certainly I'd say both ride-sharing companies and autonomous cars present obvious alternatives to renting cars. And while it's easy to imagine a world where you never need to actually own or rent a car again, I'd say that world is still many, many years off. However, this past Monday, the New York Times put out an article that kind of highlighted a more immediate risk that Hertz faces from the likes of Uber and Lyft. And this article is titled, Airports are losing money as ride hailing services grow. And it in part discusses how fewer people are renting cars at airports given the ease and convenience of ride-hailing services. In Hertz's most recent quarterly filing, it disclosed that airport revenues contributed 72% of its total revenue in the U.S. car rental segment. And in addition, despite a 2% increase in pricing across the segment, revenue was down 1% year-over-year due to a 4% decrease in overall volume that was driven by uh, what the company said was a 6% decline in the airport business. So, I mean, those are pretty significant numbers. So what's next for a company like Hertz? Are they eventually going to be squeezed out by the likes of Uber and Lyft, or is there room for them to exist together? That's a good question, and I'd say there's obviously a lot of moving parts when answering something like that, but what I think is interesting is that the rise of ride-sharing apps and self-driving cars, while it certainly provides competition for companies like Hertz, I think it also provides some opportunities. And on that front, you already see both Hertz and Avis, which is their biggest competitor, dipping their foot into these partnerships with uh, the likes of you know ride-sharing companies and uh, companies in the autonomous vehicle space. 
And if you're going to lose market share to these sorts of companies, you can at least try to pivot your business model and profit by leveraging the changing market dynamics rather than competing against them. So that's very interesting. Can you give me some examples of that? In June, Avis entered into an agreement with Waymo, which is Alphabet's autonomous vehicle division, to provide fleet support and management, sorry, maintenance services for their self-driving cars at existing car rental sites. And these services include things like parking, cleaning, oil changes, tire rotations, etc. Hertz entered into a similar but much smaller agreement with Apple for their test division of self-driving cars. Avis and Hertz already have a lot of global infrastructure in place to handle these sorts of logistics, whereas it may cost a newer competitor a lot of time and money to set up the necessary infrastructure to manage such a large decentralized fleet. These sorts of partnerships allow companies like Avis and Hertz to leverage their existing capabilities and assets to generate new revenue streams. In addition to that, Hertz has entered into agreements with Uber and Lyft to supply drivers with car rentals ranging from one week to a month. And Hertz said that this improves utilization for off-airport fleets and can serve as a sales channel for older cars. It also extends the useful life of these revenue-earning assets because when you think about the value of a car, the fastest rates of depreciation come in the earliest years of a car's life. So by entering into these sorts of agreements and monetizing on cars that would have rolled out of the rental fleet anyways, Hertz kind of mitigates the negative impacts from declining residual values. So what's next for Hertz? It's it's tough to say whether car rental will be a necessary business in 10 or 20 years time, but companies like Hertz and Avis have more to offer than just renting a car. If they continue to expand on these sorts of partnerships with companies that are eating or may in the future eat into their market share, you can definitely make an argument that there's room for a company like Hertz to exist in the future. So Peter, I want to turn to you um, and let's talk about Hertz's debt documents. So Hertz has a significant amount of outstanding debt. Can you give us a brief overview of Hertz's capital structure? Sure thing. Um, so currently they, they have a first lien credit agreement with $690 million of outstanding term loans um, and an undrawn $1.167 billion revolver. Um, however, part of that revolver has been used by um, $800 million of LC capacity, which Hertz uses uh, partly for credit enhancement for its vehicle debt. Now, this credit agreement includes a first lien maintenance covenant that requires Hertz to comply with a three and a quarter first lien ratio, which steps down to three times uh, on December 31st. I mean, Hertz does remain in compliance with the covenant, but as we go down the road and as EBITDA declines, you know, with, a pre- with depreciation increasing and used car prices decreasing, the maintenance covenant may become an issue if the EBITDA declines by too much. In addition to the credit agreement, they have $1.25 billion of second lien notes, um, as well as $2.95 billion of senior unsecured notes comprised of seven different series. Uh, Hertz recently also announced that it had entered into a $400 million letter of credit facility, but capacity under that facility is based on the amount of letters of credit that are permanently terminated under the revolving agreement. So it doesn't actually give them additional LC capacity. It just replaces the capacity that they currently have under the revolver. So in terms of Hertz's ability to incur additional secured debt, what do its debt documents permit? Well, Reorg Covenants has written about this a number of times, and we actually also discussed it on a Reorg uh, Covenants podcast. 
So for the people out there who listen to that podcast, we're sorry if this is uh, repeat information. But in terms of its additional secure debt capacity, this is actually where things get interesting. Um, following a recent amendment uh, to its credit agreement, the, the agreement now currently permits about $25 million of additional first lien debt and $542 million of debt, which until Hertz can meet either a uh, total leverage ratio, net or unnetted cash, uh, all, all of that debt has to be junior lien. Uh, and that includes any draws on the revolver. So as it stands right now, if Hertz wanted to draw on its revolver, it would actually have to be a junior lien revolver, which I'm not sure I've seen before. Um, on the other hand, um, all the notes, including the second lien notes, um, permit Hertz to in- incur substantial amounts of debt. Um, I-, I think the most restrictive series of notes permits about six to seven billion of additional uh, secured debt capacity. While the second lien note limits the amount of first lien debt to $2.4 billion and about a billion more of additional second lien debt, it also, so it's about $6 billion, let's say, of third lien debt, which, you know, is not insignificant. So in spite of that significant debt capacity under the notes, Hertz is still going to be limited by the credit agreement, correct? For now, yeah, they will, but... Um, Originally, the credit agreement had had a total leverage ratio maintenance covenant, and uh, I think in, I believe in January they had amended it for, uh, to include the first lien maintenance covenant instead. And Hertz had said that that amendment allowed them flexibility to incur additional junior lien debt. And recently, as as most people know, that a portion of the proceeds of the second lien notes were used to reduce uh, debt under the revolver. In addition, now that they entered into this letter of credit facility, they kind of can shift their LC needs to a facility outside of the credit agreement. So, you know, there is a risk that Hertz can incur you know, more second lien debt, let's call it, or, or even unsecured debt, and just take out the credit agreement altogether. Or if they do that, that opens up billions more of additional secured debt capacity. So what does that mean for the company? Well, I mean, you already have a company that has a significant amount of debt outstanding, a corporate and vehicle, and... Now you're allowing them to incur, I mean, almost double the amount of debt that they have outstanding right now. Um, you know, given their kind of precipitous EBITDA decline and, you know, a shaky future, this could be something that could affect the bond prices going forward. Thanks, Peter. So I think I have a pretty good sense of Hertz's financials and how it runs its business, as well as an idea about its capital structure. But let me ask both of you this. If I'm listening to this podcast, why should I really care? Hertz's bonds have been pretty volatile, but I wouldn't say they're trading at distressed prices. And while everything isn't rosy at Hertz, things could be a lot worse, right? Yeah, I'd say that's true today, but may not necessarily be true a year from now or two years from now. J.D. Power's used vehicle price index actually has increased over the past three months, in part due to the natural disasters that we've seen recently. But here's the problem. If used car prices resume their decline, their depreciation payments on risk vehicles could continue to pile up for Hertz. And so changes in vehicle residual values will directly affect Hertz's profitability because they impact the prices at which Hertz can eventually sell those cars. But also in the interim, Hertz is on the hook for these true up payments on the vehicles and credit enhancement to its subsidiaries. 
As I mentioned earlier, a 1% decrease in residual values translates to about a $60 million cost increase for Hertz. And in the last 12 months, from the end of the third quarter, Hertz incurred $2.8 billion for vehicle depreciation and lease payments, which is up over 11% from the $2.5 billion in the last 12 months from the end of third quarter 2016. While Hertz does have a decent amount of covenant headroom today, it'll be interesting to see how next year goes. Uh, Hertz said that its internal 2018 forecast is still under review, but the company said it has a lot of heavy lifting planned for next year, uh, including a new marketing campaign, further upgrading their fleet quality, enhancing its field processes, and rolling out new technologies as well. And the CEO, Catherine Marinello, said on the last earnings call that she expects Hertz will make similar levels of earnings and cash flow investments next year as it did this year. So as Hertz continues to invest in its turnaround strategy and face competitive pressures from ride-sharing companies and autonomous vehicles, the story might become a little more interesting. Peter, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I would just add... Um... If I'm a, you know, if I'm a Hertz debt holder, I would be paying attention to these, uh, you know, increasing costs, uh, and especially Hertz's obligations to uh, provide those true payments and uh, credit enhancement. Uh, as I had said, Hertz's credit agreement is its only debt instrument, which is stopping it from incurring, you know, billions of dollars of additional debt. And right now, that credit agreement is probably the most important to Hertz for its ability to, to use the LCs for the credit enhancement. So given that Hertz just uh, entered into this new LC facility, it wouldn't be surprising to see them shift all the LC capacity from the credit agreement to the LC facility. And by doing that, they could just terminate the credit agreement altogether. Uh, in that situation, if I'm, a, let's say, an unsecured uh, note holder, or even, let's say, on a second lead note holder, it wouldn't be surprising for Hertz then to incur tons and tons of additional secured debt, which would all, you know, prime my position. And, you know, I'd just be falling further and further down Hertz's capital structure. So, I mean, that's why I think it's important to kind of understand all all of these factors that play into Hertz's business. Because, I mean, you know, as Yash said, I mean, they're doing, you know, reasonably well now, but because there's so many outside factors that could uh, influence their business going forward, things could fall pretty quickly if given certain circumstances. Very interesting. Well, thank you to Yash and Peter for joining me today, and thank you to our listeners. We'll continue to follow this name, and we invite everyone to join us on the ride. See you next time.